Mindfulness Mode, Episode 19. It always pulls me back into the present moment. It's very simple. I can do it wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Thanks so much for joining us today. Are you out walking, enjoying nature, the fresh air? Wherever you are, I've got something for you, a five-step challenge I put together called Fine-Tune Your Focus. Just hop over to mindfulnessmode.com, click on Fine-Tune Your Focus, type in your name and email, and enjoy the free mindfulness challenge. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Pompey Strader Vidal on the line today. Hey, Pompey, are you in mindfulness mode? Yes, I am. Hi, Bruce. Hi, great to have you on the show. This is fantastic. Pompey Strader Vidal has been a monk in the Soto lineage of Zen Buddhism and has been teaching meditation for over 35 years. She studied art at the San Francisco Art Institute and at Anderson Ranch in Colorado and is trained specifically in Shoto, the Japanese Zen art of brush calligraphy. Pompey recently hosted the Relax and Breathe Summit, an online event where amazing guests help the audience learn simple techniques to release tension and reduce stress. So Pompey, tell us a little bit more about what you're up to these days. Oh, Bruce. Hi. hi. Well, you, <laughs> I'm busy, you know, uh, that I just finished my contemplative art show, which is up at Naropa University, uh, which has been a dream and a plan of mine for the last couple of years to bring uh, mindfulness practice and my artwork into a forum. It's a university, so the college students are there. And they walk through the hallway past all my artwork every day. The message of the show is that happiness comes through meditation practice and mindfulness. So it's been really exciting. That is really exciting for sure. And I totally, totally share your belief about happiness coming out of this. And I'd love to see your art show. It must be fantastic. Well, I actually have a little surprise for you coming up because I know you're on my you're on my email list and right. so I put together a virtual tour where I read my artist statements so you'll be getting that soon. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> that is terrific. Well, certainly everybody has a life path that takes them in a lot of interesting directions and yours certainly is no exception. So what inspired you, Pompey, to get into the practice of mindfulness the way you are? Well, for me, you know, I started off on my path when I was quite young. When I was 19, I lost a close friend in an accident and it was, you know, a spiritual awakening for me. Uh, I caused me to kind of question and look for the meaning of life uh-huh. and sent me on the classic spiritual quest. At the time, it was in the 70s, yes. so it was kind of a good time to be on a spiritual quest. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I, you know, I was in art school and kind of the spirituality and 
conceptual art the framework at the time didn't really merge together so that was another thing that sparked my search and I got into uh, programs where I learned to teach mindfulness practices awareness practices along with psychological understanding which was kind of the cutting edge in the 70s and the 80s merging those two practices together yes and uh, then it kind of just grew from there and I got into Zen I had always wanted to learn an art form that had like a rich spiritual tradition which I found in Shoto, which is uh, Japanese Zen brush calligraphy, which is done as a meditation. So, you know, which brings me to now, where I'm merging it all together, and I decided that I wanted to go online because that's where I can reach the most people. Yes. With my message and connect with people like you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I'm having such a great time. It's really fun. And uh, using technology in kind of a positive way, that's my idea. I have two sons in their 20s who have grown up with technology. So I want to make sure that I contribute to some positive education and energy being out in the airwaves. <laughs> well, you're certainly doing that already, that's for sure. I I know you must have many examples of how mindfulness has improved your life and helped you out. Do you have any examples of any time in your life when you felt it just wasn't working for you? You were discouraged with mindfulness? Uh, you know, I really don't. <laughs> and that's good. <laughs> I... For me, uh, mindfulness for me is an interesting concept because in calligraphy, there's a character for mind, which also means heart. So if any of our listeners have any understanding of the Asian culture, they'll know the character that I'm speaking about, where heart and mind are connected. They're not separate. Right. In the Western culture, heart and mind are separated. And usually when we think of the word mind, we think of the intellect. Yes. So mindfulness is not about intellect. Mindfulness is about connecting through your heart and connecting through your body into the present moment through awareness. So when you do that, for me, every moment of life is a precious gift whether it's um, an experience that we label as a negative experience or whether it's an experience that we label as a positive experience. It's always a gift because if you think about it, every moment is unique. It's never replicated. It's always, you know, um, a unique moment in time. Yes, it is. That you can, you know, you can, you can record it uh, like we're doing today, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't replicate it. So for me, that means that every moment is a gift, even though sometimes it's a very painful gift. I have gone through periods in my life where I was discouraged, where I felt disconnected, Uh, from oneness, you know, one of the concepts that I like to use about mindfulness. So, but mindfulness has always brought me back. So for me, mindfulness is, uh, is not something that I've ever been discouraged with. Well, that's really great to hear. And, you know, 
for me, when I think about mindfulness, I feel that if I'm truly practicing mindfulness, I'm not discouraged with it either. But it's really interesting to hear the different answers I get from different guests. So that's why I asked the question. Now, I want to talk about your career as an artist. It sounds, well, I know that you went to art school. And then did you become active as an artist right away after you graduated? No, (laughs) I didn't. I actually moved into becoming active as a holistic psychotherapist. Okay. Uh, I, Felt like the art world at the time um, was focused in a direction that I wasn't interested in. It didn't have a spiritual component. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had grown up in a family where my father was an artist. Right. And so I was around artists growing up. And I was acutely aware of how much they suffered and how much they contributed to their own suffering. Okay. <laughs> and so for me, you know, uh, as one of my artist friends said, you know, artists lots of times need, uh, they need help in the therapeutic direction. <laughs> right. And so for me, then what happened with my artwork was my artwork became something that I did for myself. I actually set it aside for a few years. And then when I came back to it, I came back to it with a very strong foundation in my spiritual practice and with a desire to infuse that into my work, whether, you know, people liked it or not. So it was very much for me. Then as I, in the last few years, I decided that I wanted to merge everything together, my my teaching and my artwork. So I wanted my artwork to carry my message. And I um, decided that I was going to call my artwork contemplative art Mm -hmm. and that I wanted my message to be about the power of meditation and mindfulness practice. It's really about the power of awareness because you don't have to have a spiritual, particular spiritual belief to practice mindfulness. That's what's so useful about it. It's really just about awareness. I want to talk about discipline and I know here at Mindful Tribe, some of some of us have trouble with the discipline. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, some of my Mindful Tribe reach out to me and they say, how do you stay disciplined, Bruce, in your practice of mindfulness? And mm-hmm. so I like to ask guests, and I know that as an artist, people say it's difficult to be disciplined enough to keep working on your right. art. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really enjoyed the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Yes, you know? I've read that one too. Mm-hmm. But you tell me your thoughts about discipline, Pompey. Well, you know, my feeling about discipline is that it's a habit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've sat in sessions meditating for days. <laughs> so for me, I know that the discipline has an impact. That if you just set aside all the chatter in your mind that says that you can't do this, that you usually with... Uh, mindfulness practice it's I don't have the time yes or I'm not making quick enough progress Mm -hmm. because of the way our culture is so I know that it's like martial arts or anything that requires discipline you just set that aside and do it anyway if you want to see results 
the minimum that research says is an average amount of time needed to see real results is that you practice 10 minutes a day for 21 days, a basic mindfulness practice to see a shift. What I see sometimes is once people get a shift, then they, you know, um, they get busy and they forget about it. I prefer that people don't, that you don't like start judging yourself and beating yourself up about it. Uh, you know, it's just a habit. It's like driving a car. Okay. When you learn to drive a car, you didn't just go out, drive the car once, get in the car four weeks later and expect to be able to be on the road. You had to practice and you have, you know, so mindfulness is just really like that. It's a habit. I want to talk with you about being a monk. What mm-hmm. what that means, and tell me about. I call tell me, myself a monkette. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny because I think a lot of people think of a monk as being a male person. Of course. And uh, so I just like your your comment on all that and what it took to be a monk and why you decided to be. I'm I'm fascinated. Okay. So yes, of course. Well, if you look through all the religious traditions. They're all full of men. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they are. Except for the people that were taking care of the men who were the nuns. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, in Zen, uh, my teacher, Kobenchino, was very much a kind of a rogue Zen teacher. He uh, did his own thing and he taught his students to do the same thing. The reason I decided to take lay vows as a monk and then as a Zen priest was basically because I was already living that way. I already had those values. I already had that level of, you know, of commitment in my life. So it was really a matter of formalizing it. And also because I wanted to have the ability to teach Zen meditation officially to other people. And so, you know, to do that, I had to have a certain level within the organization. Uh, So that's how I and why I became uh, a monk. Are there very many women who are Zen monks? Well, you know, it's interesting because in the American culture right now, what I've been told is that like 50% of the people that have either taken lay vows as a monk, or are women. Um, There are some famous ones, you know, like uh, Joan Halifax, uh, Mm -hmm. Roshi. There are a lot of women teaching Zen in this culture and in this time. It's not the tradition in Zen, but I think that as it's crossed over into our culture, one of the things that attracted to me about Zen and my Roshi was that he was open to having me as a teacher, as a woman, you know, uh, that wasn't a problem. Now, you mentioned about sashins and meditating for days and that you've done this. I'd like you to expand on that for Mindful Tribe, if you would. Tell us what inspired you to do that and what it felt like, what it did for you. Well, when you meditate for days at a time in, uh, in Japanese, it's called a sashin. What happens is that it takes you very deep into your awareness and it expands your experience of 
what in Zen is called samadhi, which is the uh, the term I like to use is the ocean of awareness, that we're all drops in the ocean of awareness. So it expands your experience of that because you're removed from your daily schedule. You're removed from, you know, who's taking care of the dog, who's driving the kids to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As a mother, you know, uh, who's balancing the checkbook, who's mm-hmm. Who's fixing the the washing machine? <laughs> you know? Right. All of that, or like, who's going to the grocery store? Uh, what are we going to eat for dinner? Mm-hmm. All of that is taken off your plate. If you're uh, running a company or an executive, uh, you don't have to think about that. You don't have to think about those problems. All of that is is removed. You're in a protected, isolated environment where your total focus is on meditation practice. So in a sense, it's an artificial environment because it's separated from daily life. In another sense, it's a completely real environment because your complete focus is on awareness. So from that place, you can deepen the level of your presence and awareness and when you come back to your life, because I am not living in a monastery, running a monastery, I'm living in my life. You know, I'm a householder. That's what it's called. So when I come back to that, I come back to that with a deeper level of awareness. So, you know, it kind of carries over. How long would you do it at one time? And how many sessions have you participated in? Well, you know, before I was a Zen practitioner, I also practiced in another spiritual tradition that was eclectic okay, and more along the lines of the Eckhart Tolle, right. a mixture of different um, blending psychology with spirituality. Mm-hmm. So I started doing retreats within that tradition when I was in my 20s, just continued that I left that organization when I was 40 and then uh, got into Zen practice, so continued that. I'm kind of a naturally contemplative person. When I was a little girl, I liked to sit on the rocks in front of my home in Maine and watch the seaweed go back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot of little kids find that entertaining. No, that's true. (laughs) That's true. And that takes me to my next question, and I'm fascinated to learn about this. I love the way you laugh, and I love how much you laugh. And I I think it's just terrific. If you would share with us, where did you get that? Has that always been part of you? You said you went through a difficult time when you lost a friend just early in your life. But where did this humor and this very free, relaxing laugh come from? Well, you know, um, my mother had a great sense of humor. And it was kind of had a sarcastic edge because okay. she was grew up in Queens in New York. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so I had a little kick. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I grew up with that. And for me, as I've gotten older, 
I laugh more, but I remember when my children were growing up, sometimes it was very con- disconcerting to them that their own mother was <laughs> laughing and they were telling them, to, they were telling me some problem and I would start laughing. And they were like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but I think that what it comes from, you know, is really in my art show, I, because it's in the college, and these little galleries are kind of set back in a hallway that enter into classrooms. Right. And so the curator, I told the curator that I wanted to string the hallway with prayer flags with images of happiness. Yes. <laughs> They're characters in uh, Asian uh, brush calligraphy. Right. And so for me, being mindful, being aware is joyful. There is joy in the present moment. You know, uh, there is tremendous joy in that. Samadhi, or which is the, you know, the Sanskrit term in, a, in Asian culture, is infused with joy. So it's not like awareness is flat. You know what I'm saying? It's yes. not like awareness is empty. Uh, a lot of times when you're you're going through your spiritual quest, you go through phases where you uncover the emptiness of the ego. And that is has a level of despair. But when you move through that and you break out into the other side, there's tremendous joy. So does that answer your question? That, that really does. <laughs> yeah, it really does answer my question. And I really think that in our society, we don't laugh enough. Mm-hmm. I think that that's true. We're very focused on speed. Yes. You know, the technology is moving us uh, at tremendous speed. You know, one of the advantages to a sashin is that you're setting all of that aside Mm-hmm. I remember doing a retreat years ago where, before technology, where we had to leave our watches by the front door. Mm-hmm. Technology is like watches amplified, right? We've got the Apple Watch now. Right, <laughs> yes. Where not only do you have the time, but you have all your email. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right there on your wrist. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times that, that that can kind of move us so fast that we get very disconnected from our bodies and our experience of being here, which is, you know, mindfulness practice will bring you back into your body. You can just wiggle your toes like anyone who's listening right now. If you're, you can sense your big toes and you can just wiggle your toes. You can be driving in your car. You can be sitting at your desk. Wherever you're listening to this, you can just wiggle your big toes and then just kind of feel how that energy of consciousness and awareness in your big toes pulls you down from your head, down into your feet. And then you follow your breath. And, you know, that's really the discipline is that you learn to not just pay attention to the thoughts in your head and not just pay attention to all the screens in front of you and all the input that's coming in all the time. Absolutely. And I'm doing it right now. And, and, you know, I really feel that what you're describing. 
Pompey, I know that uh, you're aware I've worked in bullying prevention. Right. And, mm-hmm. You know, I've really seen that the practice of mindfulness can make a huge difference in the lives of anyone who is experiencing this. Do you have a story about a bullying situation of any kind where mindfulness may have played a role? Well, actually, I do, because one of my sons was trained in martial arts. And in martial arts, he was trained in Taekwondo. Right. So in the martial arts, I think one of the reasons a lot of kids are drawn to that is because it grounds them in their body. And it has a level of awareness that is good for them. Because in school these days, so much of their attention is pulled away from them into technology, into rote learning, and they get pulled out of their body. (laughs) Yes. So they're in their head, you know, and Mm -hmm. they're focused and they're learning in their head, which is great, but it's at the expense of embodiment and, and groundedness. And so he was trained, you know, in martial arts when someone comes at you, you know how to like throw them. Mm -hmm. And then after you throw them, you help them back up because it's a sport. So a bully came at him on the playground and my son threw him. And this person was bigger than my son. And then my son, because of his training, his reflex was to help him up. So of Mm -hmm. course, when he helped him up, the bully kicked him in the ribs and fractured a rib. And see, I'm giggling, which, of course, my kids hate that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm giggling because it was a message. (laughs) You know, it was a message about, obviously, my son had learned a level of mindfulness that the other boy had not learned. Right. And so then as a parent, you have a choice. What are you going to do with your son? Are you going to tell your son, well, you shouldn't be nice to people? (laughs) (laughs) Or are you going to tell your son, you know... There's another another level of a way to deal with bullying. And it's a tricky question, I think, because there's so many elements that go into bullying and go into the culture of bullying in schools. This boy was from a different background, a different culture than my son. So there's a lot of levels to it. And then what you're also talking about is how to deal with the fear that gets... Uh, embedded by an experience like that and how to release that fear and not just anticipate more situations where that fear is going to be produced, yeah. which I, I think, you know, I, I love people like you that are taking mindfulness into uh, the school system. We had someone here in Boulder who was doing conflict resolution at the time, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he was including mindfulness. So I, I think that it's good for People to be aware of this issue and that it's something that needs to be constantly addressed and uh, dealt with, you know, uh, awareness of it, not just kind of like let it lie. Right. Yeah, I agree. Pompey, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. So just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Uh, Suzuki Roshi. (laughs) How has mindfulness affected your emotions? I've learned to disidentify from my emotional reactions, so less reactive. Tell us how breathing 
is a part of your mindfulness practice? Breathing is a crucial element of mindfulness practice. Breathing is something that we always do when we're alive. And it's something that if we bring our awareness and I bring my awareness to my breathing, it always pulls me back into the present moment. It's very simple. I can do it wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be? I would recommend Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Suzuki Roshi. That's my favorite book. It's kind of a classic, and it's very short and very easy to read. Pompey, can you share an app which helps you be more mindful? I put together a special uh, thing on my website, relaxandbreathesummit.com, where people can go and access my three video series, which is very brief. Each video is about five minutes long. And the middle video, I'm teaching a mindfulness practice that you can do in five minutes. It's a guided practice and it's free. So it's relaxandbreathesummit.com. You go there and you opt in and then you will see the access to the three video series. It's called Relax and Breathe Now. Great. And that will be on our show notes as well, Mindful Tribe, too. Great. Great. What advice would you give a person, Pompey, who is new to the idea of mindfulness and would like to start using it in their life? I would say give it a shot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What have you got to lose? Some stress? (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Pompey, it has been such a pleasure to spend this time with you today. And I'm I'm certainly inspired by everything you've done in your life. And you've you've certainly done a lot and really helped a lot of people through through stress, anxiety, and you know, learning how to breathe through your summit. So thank you so much for what you're doing and sharing with the world. And thank you so much for being part of the show today. Now, how would we contact you and learn more about you, Pompey? Uh, The best way, I have two websites. One is a gallery of my artwork, which is pompeystraightervidal.com. And you can email me through that website. Uh, My summit website is still up, and I'm adding more things to it. That's relaxandbreathesummit.com. You can email me at Pompey at relaxandbreathesummit.com. I'm always happy to get email. And uh, so if you have questions or comments, please feel free to email me. Great. Thank you so much, Pompey. You take care. I will. I had a great time. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.